G'day everybody and welcome to another episode of this marketing thing. Today I want to talk about talk writing. Hi, my name's Kyle Macker and I've been a pilot in the aviation industry for half my life. So you may be asking why am I doing this marketing thing, right? Well I'm so passionate about aviation, flying a big jet is just awesome, there's nothing like it. However, I realised that being a pilot is nothing what it used to be, especially during COVID. If I wanted to live the life of my dreams on my terms, I was going to have to teach myself a new skill. So three years ago, I started my marketing journey. I dove deep into the marketing world. I dug into the books, psychology, persuasion, anything that would help with a person saying yes to a product or service. I love it. However, I have a big problem. It's all theoretical knowledge and I have no hands-on experience and I still have so many questions. The biggest thing that I know is if we want our businesses to stand out in a noisy marketplace, we have to become better marketers. The best marketer will always win. So follow me on my journey and hopefully along the way it can help you spark up a few ideas that I've learned so you can implement in your business. So make sure you subscribe to my channel so you don't miss the latest episodes. And also if there's anything you want to know about, get in touch with me at thismarketingthing.com. So let's get into it. So at the end of July in Hong Kong, we went back into lockdown. Now, the first set of lockdowns here in Hong Kong were not so bad. They weren't very imposing at all. We could still move about the city. It was all relatively normal, to be honest, except we couldn't travel. Now, the second set of lockdowns were far more imposing. So, you know, it was two to a table. We couldn't go out for dinner. Everything was closed past six o'clock. We couldn't, we had to wear masks Everywhere we went, no gyms were open, you know, like, and I I was getting frustrated towards the end because I, I like going to the gym and keeping fit, and there was none of that. It was all closed. Now, during this period, my opinion of coronavirus changed. Now, I thought at the start, when it tore through Italy, I thought, whoa, this is really bad, you know, like, we can't catch this thing. I was worried, you know, like I think everyone else was. And there was models coming out saying that there'd be 3 million dead by October, which is the month we're in now, and I mean, we're not even close. But then, so I started then reading into some different studies and different papers by some pretty big immunologists around the world and and especially in Europe and they sort of started asking the question like what are we still doing doing these lockdowns like the numbers aren't working now when I invest in businesses like and I, I buy stocks and I invest in them so I'll buy them and I'll hold them for long periods of time I will do the numbers so I mean I, I pull out a calculator and I don't listen to what anyone else has to say and I just what do the numbers say? Because they don't lie. But I think a lot of times people fall in love with the story or they get sold a story. Now, I think in mainstream media, they have made this story that if you get this thing, you're cooked. And it's just not the case. The numbers don't say that. So I was sort of scratching my head going, what are we doing So anyway, while I was in the lockdowns, I was reading up on some of this stuff that these immunologists had said. And 
I was speaking to a mate who shares my same view and he sort of said, you know, like we're the silent majority of people that are like this. I was thinking the exact same thing. Now, I made the mistake of taking that statement as gospel and I went and sent uh, a study and some reports to some of my closer friends. What I realized is I'm not the silent majority. I think a lot of people believe that this is really nasty and you're probably going to be in a bit of trouble if you catch this thing. Now, look, there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with me here. I don't think uh, it's as bad as we once first thought. Because if you just look at the numbers, the numbers don't reflect what is happening. Now, I'm no doctor, but all I do is I just look at the numbers and what the numbers from what the models were saying they were going to be to what they are are very off. They're, they're miles off. So for me, I believe it's nowhere near as bad as what they first thought. Now, look, I'm not saying that it's not bad for elderly people. I'm not saying that at all. But we should maybe be locking them away instead of the whole economy because I think there's going to be huge implications down the road for the economy from just turning it off. We've never done this in, in history. So that, to me, is worrying. And I don't think that risk of doing that to the economy was worth the complete stop on the economy. Now, maybe my beliefs were reinforced by knowing people that have had coronavirus. The group of friends that we have here in Hong Kong, several of them had coronavirus. Now, one of the guys, I remember video calling one day and I could see other, there was four people in the room with him. And I said, what are those guys' symptoms? Are they all okay or... And he said, mate, yeah, we're all fine. We're, we're doing workouts in the afternoon. And, I mean, even one girl had it for three weeks and she was just laying in bed saying, please let me go, I, I feel fine, but just kept testing positive to this thing. Now, my opinion why this is still going on and these lockdowns are still imposed and is because it's an election year in the US and back in Australia, there's state elections. Now, I think this sort of goes back to the first few episodes that I did in the Influence book. Now, we know that if you don't appear to be consistent with the commitments that you make, then you are seen to be wishy-washy or what's wrong with that guy or, or they don't know what they're talking about. Now, I believe that these politicians have gone we need to be consistent with the commitments that we made. Otherwise, we look like we don't know what we're doing and therefore, we'll get voted out. Now, I don't think this would have gone on as long if it was an election year. I could be wrong, but that's my opinion. So anyway, I'm digressing. I always get in trouble for telling a story that's way too long. But anyway, let me go back to the story. So I actually texted some friends in Hong Kong, these reports by these immunologists. Now, I got back some backlash. They were like, that's crap. That's absolute garbage. This thing's really serious. You need to be taking it serious. Now, there was a bit of back and forth. Now, there was two staunch believers on either side, and we're just going, stat, 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 stat. And then he was going, stat, 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 stat. And 
That never works. I mean, the only way that you can break down false beliefs is through story. But I went against my own advice and I was just like, stat, 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 you know, like never, get, you know, and it, it started to get a little bit heated uh, with one of my mates and there was one text message that he sent. I looked at it and I could feel the adrenaline rush through my brain and I was like, oh, I just, I was angry. But what was the powerful thing? Now, this is what I'm getting into today's episode is that it was just words that made me feel like that. It was just the words in that text message that made me feel like that. Not anything else. That's how powerful words can be. Now, we made up after it and it was all fine, but what I remembered most about this text message war was the words and how they made me feel and how they could bring out emotion in me. And it sort of got me thinking like, whoa, that is what they mean about bringing emotion out and in your copy when you're writing sales letters or emails. That's what they're talking about. Can you stir those emotions? Now, this is the goal of any good copywriter, to try and stir those emotions, create desire in a product. This is what we're going for. Now, I'm no brilliant copywriter or anything like that. I I have come to love it and I really enjoy doing it, writing copy. And if you told me back in school that I'd like writing, I would have laughed at you because I hated English. I really hated it. And it's such a shame because I, I bet you there's a lot of kids out there even that felt feel the same right now because in school, I hated writing analytical essays and sh- about Shakespeare and all that garbage. But copywriting, if you told me that you could write something and make money off it or you can write like you're talking... I would have been a lot more interested in doing that. So what I want to do today is just share some basic fundamental rules about copywriting that I've learned in doing various different courses and reading different books about it. Because I feel there's a lot of people that get this wrong, especially in business, because they don't know how to write to get someone to take action. Now, I think that's probably because of what they learned in school, that, oh, you can't write like that. You can't start a sentence with and or but. But in copywriting, that's a fair play. Go for it. So I think there's a bit of confusion about how people should write and who they're addressing. So that's what I want to address today. So my fiancé has recently started a new job and she was asked to proofread basically what they had written about her to go on the website on the About Us page. Now, she gave it to me to have a look at. Now, I read it and I went, ooh, that's that's jarring. It's hard to read. It's very features-based and it's very about her instead of being about the customer. So I said to her, why don't we rewrite this? And she said, okay, let's do that. So the first thing I did was I cut and paste it and I put it into this website application that I have. And it basically tells you 
the grade level of what your language is written at. Now, if you want a copy of it, it's free. It's in my group. It's this marketing thing on Facebook, and they're all in there, as well as other headline analyzing tools and all that sort of thing. But what this tool does is basically grade, well, shows what grade level your your text is at. Now, the text when I put it in was at grade eight level. Now, I am telling you now that is too high. People like to be to read things simply and easily in copywriting at grade three. Now, that's what I aim for. I aim for grade three level. Grade two or three is good. So that's what we did first. We tried to rewrite it in a grade three level, remembering the golden rule with copywriting is everybody tunes into the same radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? People subconsciously, even if they don't say it, only give a damn about what it's in it, what is in it for them. They don't care. They want to know what they can get out of something and what you can do for them. So in your copywriting, you have to be able to put yourself in the reader's shoes. What are they doing on your website? What do they want? What are they looking for? What problem do they want solved? Think of it from their point of view. That is the number one rule of copywriting. So then that lends itself to the fact that you have to know who these people are, what are their pains, fears, desires, and pleasures are. I mean, you have to know these people intimately. Now, I've done a whole episode on this by itself, so I won't get into it. But you must know who these people are, what their problems are, so you can help them. Makes sense, right? So now we have a body of text that's at grade three level writing, and it's more from the customer's point of view what they want to get out of seeing an aesthetician. So it uses a lot of you language. Do you have trouble with your skin? Do you think it could be better? It's very conversational. Instead of, we can do this for you, I do this for you, I've won all these awards, we're so great, we, 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 we. So that's another thing that you see on a lot of About Us pages on websites. We do this, we've won all these awards. Who cares? So what? No one cares. What can you do for them? So the next thing, features and benefits. Now, features still have to be in a body of text or when you're talking about a product because then they know what it is. But people buy because of the benefits. It's not because of the features. It's because you're solving a problem for them that gives them that benefit, right? Now, these three layers of benefits. Now, you see a lot of people start talking about benefits and they're functional benefits, and there's nothing wrong with functional benefits, using them. But if you want to go a little bit deeper, you want to dimensionalize them. So you want to paint a vivid picture in their mind of what it's like to have your product. And then if you then can bring emotion into it, that's where really powerful copywriting happens. Because now you've painted a vivid picture and you've brought emotion into it. What's it mean for them? For example, say an iPhone camera. Now this is the feature. It includes an f1.86 element 12 megapixel wide angle lens, 26 millimeter focal length, and an f2.8 
slash 22.45 element, 12 megapixel ultra wide angle lens, 13 millimeter focal length. That's the feature. So the benefit would be it takes clearer and sharper pictures that look good. Now, imagine dimensionalizing the benefit and it could be aimed at fathers saying, imagine the father's pride you'd feel watching your son cross the finish line on his very first running race. So that's dimensionalizing. Imagine how you feel. And then that saying, and then now bringing emotion into it, it might be, imagine the father's pride you'd feel watching your son cross the finish line of his very first running race, then being able to show all the other dads the crystal clear video of the day your son was the best. So then it adds the emotion. Now, do you see how I brought status in there? Being able to show all the other dads the crystal clear video of the day your son was the best. That's status. Now, for this group of fathers, obviously who we're targeting, one of their needs is they need to feel status. Now, that's not going to be the same for everybody, but you're only going to know that from doing the customer research. For other people, it'll be totally different. But this is just an example on how features and benefits can be used and how you can dimensionalize and bring emotion into those benefits to give them a vivid image or feeling about a certain product or service. So now my fiance and I had rewritten this body of text from the customer's point of view, so we'd respected what's in it for me, and we'd used a lot of you language instead of we do this, we do that. It was at a grade three level instead of a grade eight level, so it was a lot simpler and easier to read. And we'd had a good shot at dimensionalizing and bringing emotion into the benefits. So that's where we were. Now that Next thing, she was starting to get a little bit worried and I could see it in her eyes. She was saying, well, this is sounding very conversational. It doesn't sound professional. It sounds like I'm talking to a friend in a coffee shop. And I said, that is perfect. That is exactly what we're going after. And she was a little bit like, what? Shouldn't other websites sound really professional and you know, they, they say what they've done. And I said, no, I said, this is where people get it all wrong. Even if it's B2B, they're people before they work in companies. Now, don't get me wrong here. Telling people about your awards and the winning of awards that you're proud of, there's nothing wrong with that. But just remember, people at the end of the day, only care about what's in it for them. So they don't want a website or a landing page of just about you beating your chest, telling them how good you are. So I said to my fiance, having a conversational tone in your writing is a good thing. It's talk writing. And this is what we're aiming to do. Now, I've got some tips, just five quick ones for writing talk writing or conversational copy. Write for one person. Now, I've already spoken about this a little bit. You. Talk to them. Your. You. All those. Don't write for the crowd. So don't write in them. Number two. Use simple language. We've spoken about this as well. Write at a grade two or three level. People don't want to read really complex words. In fact, it'll probably lose them in this day and age, okay? 
Number three, ask questions. Does your skin give you anxiety? Or if you own a restaurant, do you like ramen? Ask them questions, involve them in the conversation. Number four, use short sentences and paragraphs. No one wants to look at big blobs of writing because the, people's attention spans are short. They don't want to go, oh, and have to read, but just give them bite-sized chunks. And I use, like to use, you know, if you can keep your sentences under 13 words, that's great. People don't talk in long rambling sentences, so your copy shouldn't either. The other thing in that as well, remove the bloaters in your sentences. And I'm a, I'm, I must admit I'm bad for this as well. I use really, very, just, a lot, all the time. This is just too big of a problem. They don't give you much in your sentences, so you can cut them out. Last one, number five, use contractions. Without having this, the text sounds very mechanical and it clogs the reader up. Instead of we have, use we've. Instead of I have, use I've. It just makes the sentence flow better and have a more fluidness about it. Now, basically, the last thing to do is have a call to action or a CTA. Now, when you're writing a CTA, it's no time to be shy. Be direct and use strong language. Be interesting. Use power words like new, discover, act now, free. I like to hint at urgency. Don't miss out. Sign up before midnight. Sign up now to get the free postage and try and remove the risk like register now, no credit card needed, full money back guarantee. Watch anywhere, cancel anytime. You can find examples of these everywhere and go ahead and have a look at lots of them. Take a screenshot or make a little bit of a swipe file. And I do that for all sorts of copy, whether it's CTAs, ads, pictures of ads that stopped me scrolling. And I keep them in a folder that I can go and have a look at later on and to give me some idea or maybe some inspiration so I can model them and use them for later on. So now we come to the end, and these paragraphs sound very conversational, they're very talk writing, they address what's in it for the reader, but I said there's one last thing to do, and she said, what's that? I said, you have to read it out aloud. Now, before you put any copy into the world, read your copy out aloud. So she did that. Now, there was a few little bits that we'd missed that just sounded a bit chunky and didn't sound, oh, that sounded a little bit funny. You will always find something, I can guarantee it, but just read your copy out aloud. So that's a story how we rewrote my fiance's bio for the new company that she's working for. Now, there's just a couple of other formulas that I just wanna share with you guys. If you're ever stuck and don't know where to start, now, I mean, this is a very, basic guide to copywriting and I mean there's way more involved in it and I mean some of the other great copywriters you'll find so much more like how do you want the reader to feel in the copy and you before you even put pen to paper you come to what you want them to feel and then you work around how to make them feel in the copy now I'm not going to go into any of that but what I will do is go into a couple of formulas that I do have if you're stuck and don't know where to start and they're especially great for writing anything but what I've been using them for recently is Facebook or Instagram posts they're 
awesome. Now, the first one's called PAS, P-A-S, and it basically stands for Problem Agitate Solution. So problem, you lay out the reader's problem, and it can be just a single sentence. And then rub salt into it. So agitate it by tapping into the reader something that the reader's angry about or resentful about. And then come in with the solution. So S is the solution, right? I use this one all the time. You know, my Facebook cover, my anything. It, it, it is really, that's a really handy one. The other one is called ADA. ADA stands for attention, interest, desire, action. And it's a really good basic outline of what you can do when you're writing copy. And I saw it on a on an Apple Watch advertisement the other day and I thought, oh, that's Ada. Now, first is attention. So you open with a bang like it's a hook, you know, what, what can you grab them? Like a bold statement, benefit driven, right? Number two is interest. So you gain their interest with features and benefits and you interweave them together to create the interest. Number three is desire. Make make them desire your product by showing them a life with your solution. You know, paint a picture of success. You know, dimensionalize those benefits. And then number four is action. You know, so spur your reader to take action with a strong call to action and that is a very good place to start if you don't know where to start. If you stick to that outline, you can't go too far wrong. So anyway, guys, I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening to the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe. If you want to join my Facebook group, This Marketing Thing, that has all those tools and analyzers in it that you may find really helpful and useful. I know I do. But until next time, see you guys next week. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to get a hold of me, I'd love to hear from you at thismarketingthing.com. Until next time, see you later.